In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a handy garbage disposal, subcontracting murder, well-planned murder, Elvis-themed parties, and insert name here should know better in our discussion of Dead Reckoning by Charlene Harris. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to discuss Dead Reckoning by Charlene Harris. So precious. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. It's just, it's just all hair. It's I just know. so much hair. <laughs> so much hair. Sort yourself out, Amanda. Jeez, honestly. Just sitting here pale the rollies. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, it's fine. It's fine that we're full grown adults playing with dollies. Of there's ourselves. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. No, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I could just sit the entire time like this. I know. I thought about it. I thought about just holding it up the whole time. So, Amanda, I don't even have to put on a funny voice, which is the best thing. Right, Amanda, it's just do you us. have any background information for this week's book, Dead Reckoning? I do. <gasps> tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay, so I read this article on um, Wall Street Journal, and it came out around about the same time that Dead Reckoning came out. And she, Charlene Harris was talking about how she was like, done she was dunsies with this world but she had two more books that she has to do because she was contractually obligated to do them and then she well, goes that on. tells me a lot by the way you don't need to tell me any more than that. i know i know i know but one of the reasons why she was done done dunsies is because she had been asked to make a video game <laughs> what yeah so there's a video game called dying for daylight and it is referred to as a four-episode computer game that features Harris's short story character, Dahlia, who's, yes, a vampire. And she's just talking about how she she didn't think that she would like making a video game because she sits in front of the computer for hours already and she just thought that she would get bored. But... She played it, and it was fun, and that it was intended for females aged 35 to 55, as well as those that are a little bit older. She was 59 at the time. Um, But there's a video game somewhere that we're... I'm looking at it. I've Googled. (laughs) Dying for Daylight. Uh, Yeah, it exists. It's... It exists. <laughs> yep. It's a thing. Oh. So yeah, that's Ooh, 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 you've got a devastating sense of fashion and a razor sharp wit on an epic hunt to find a legendary sun potion. Yes, uh the sun potion. So she's trying to stop the 
sun potion that allows vampires to survive in daylight from falling into the wrong hands. I mean, I'm looking at images as well, and it's... I mean, does it look like it was made in 2011, or does it look like it was made Mm. in 1997? Do you know what it reminds me a little bit of? Do you know Monkey Island? No, what's Monkey Island? You've never played the game Monkey Island? No. Mm Mm-mm. Oh my god, it's like... So Monkey Island, you play... I can't remember the characters. It's a pirate game. No. Nope. Um, and it was eight bit. It it's 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 a pivotal game in point and click, um, gaming history, um, and it's an eight bit game, but they've recently done a new one of it. They've revamped it, and it's got that kind of. It's kind of like that, but with vampires instead of pirates for me. They revamped it. You said. Yes. <laughs> I've been playing Vampire Survivors a lot lately, so everyone should play that game. It's pretty great. It's utter chaos. You've never heard of Monkey Island. I'm sorry. But at least all of our video games are vampire monkey pirate related. I don't know. Uh probably edit that out because that was stupid. Nope, leave it in. So the Chuck's Revenge. It's 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 the very the very fun point and click games. I used to play them when I was grasshopper. Just Google it and you'll be like, huh. And huh. it might actually it might it might because the, the lead character's guy brush and it's just ridiculous. And it's just some convoluted puzzle gaming as well. Take a look and you'll probably go, I have not played it, but that looks familiar in a vague sense. Okay. If I do that to if I have that look Google Power Team Power <laughs> Team videos, the least you can do is Google image monkey island. Power team yeah. is everything. My god. I still wish Hulk Hogan was in the power team in the movie, but that's yeah. that was last week's discussion. This week we're talking vampires and fairies and werewolves and shifters yes all of those things we are talking about this one you know we go through phases where we're like i don't remember having read this one at all i forgot a lot about this one but there is one key thing that i remembered so obviously i've read it before but yeah i didn't remember a lot about this one i have not read this one there is stuff that happens in it that I am convinced happened in other ways, which we'll get to when we get to the discussion. Yep. But I have not read this one. But, you know, we, we discussed it last at book that the series was starting to get a bit weird for me. Like, not enjoyable weird. Very, very heavy. Yeah, and what you've just said about the contract. Well... That answers a lot of questions. And I'm going to hide behind my... <laughs> She's like, get me out of here. What have I done? <gasps> All right. Wow, that was for the podcast. <laughs> it's been a short time since Eric's maker died, and Sookie and Claude broke the fairy spell on Uncle Dermot, and now Sookie and her fairy kin are cleaning out her attic. They've decided to pull everything out and put it in the living room, which spills over to the porch, 
and the yard. How big is her attic? Huge. Huge. Most of the stuff looks like it's headed for the burn pile, but there could be some salvageable things. Hopefully. Later at Merlot's, Suki talks to Sam about cleaning out the attic, and he suggests that they go to an antique store in Shreveport the next day to see if there's anything of value and to see if Sam can find a gift for J. Is it Janelin? Yes, Janelin. I, I, I really want to put on a silly accent when I say Janelin, but I'm not going to. Janelin? Janelin, his werewolf girlfriend, who really loves antiques. Very surprised. Merlots hasn't been too busy since their wear and shifter reveal. And now another bar, Vic's Redneck Roadhouse, sounds wholesome, has opened up only a few miles away. So they've got plenty of time to chat. Kennedy, the newish bartender slash ex-con, and Danny, her boyfriend slash the bouncer, come in and then Suki walks to the window. She sees a light coming quickly toward the bar. Then the window shatters as a Molotov cocktail comes (laughs) crashing through. We're supposed to serve the drinks, not have them thrown through the window. No. Suki and Sam act fast to get the fire put out, and no one is badly hurt, thank goodness, though Suki's hair did get burned. Fire trucks and sheriffs come soon, and while Bud Dearborn oddly questions Suki about how she knows what a Molotov cocktail is, hello, I read books, Eric bursts in, full of anger and concern. After the questioning is over, there isn't too much to be done, so Eric takes Suki home. Pam is there waiting, and she has someone with her. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Who could this be? Everyone piles into Suki's cluttered house, and the extra guest, Emmanuel, turns out to be a hairstylist who cuts off Suki's scorched hair and gives her a new hairstyle. Ooh. <laughs> Pam is dating Emmanuel's assistant, Miriam, who is in poor health, and Pam wants to make her a vampire. But, for an as-yet-unknown reason... She cannot. What'd you do, Pam? Hmm? What'd you do? This, along with a comment from Pam about Suki going antiquing with Sam and living with Claude and Dermot, causes Pam and Eric to get in a kitchen-destroying fight. And then Suki asks everyone to leave. Kitchen's just been done out, guys. I know. Have some respect. The next morning, Sam arrives to take Suki to the antique store, which she honestly didn't think would happen anymore since, you know, Merlot's was partially exploded the night before, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been, and Sam got everything he could taken care of. So now it's time to head to Shreveport. Suki explains the fight between Eric and Pam, and Sam kind of agrees and questions Claude and Dermot's intentions with Suki, but Suki knows there's no way they would want anything sexual from her. She does wonder about how they make her feel, though. She feels more fairy now that they're living with her than she did before. Sam explains he knows a little about fairies because the shifters have a special library that I want to go to. Yes. But he suggests they talk to Claude and Dermot later to ask them personally what's up. Ooh. Mm. Library. (laughs) They arrive at the antique store and Sam picks out a nice pair of earrings for Janelin and Suki sets up a time for the antique dealers to come check out her stuff in the next couple of days. Then they leave for hooligans, the strip club Claude owns. Before they get there, 
Remy Savoy calls to ask Sucky if she'll watch Hunter, her telepathic cousin, over the weekend, which she can't. And then he asks if she'll go with him to his kindergarten visit. She agrees, though she feels uncomfortable because everyone in the little town where they live will think she's dating Remy and trying to be Hunter's mother. <sighs> when Sookie and Sam arrive at the strip club, they're greeted at the door by an elf named Bellinos, and he's scary looking. <laughs> As they enter, they see that everyone at the club is some sort of fae, which is astounding. Sam bluntly asks what Claude and Dermot's plans are for Suki, but they say they'll talk about it later. Sam takes Suki home so she can get ready for work. He's taking the evening off to spend with Janelin. At Merlot's, Kennedy worries that the bomber was there for her and that maybe it was a relative of her ex that she shot in self-defence and went to prison for. Surely not, though. Surely not. Suki tells her that she thinks the bomber was too natured in some way, so that rules out anyone Kennedy could know. Suki then gets a text from Eric that he's coming to see her later, which puts her in a good mood, even though he literally just destroyed her diction. You destroyed well, your yes. own diction. <laughs> yes, she, he destroyed her diction last time they were together, but he also destroyed her kitchen the other night. <laughs> Eric is waiting for Suki when she gets home, and he's very kindly bought her a toaster. He's more than a freaking toaster, dude. <laughs> he tells her that later they're going to have great sex in a new position he's discovered. But first, they have to go to a new vampire bar that Victor, King Felipe II in Louisiana, has opened. It's very close to Fantasia, which isn't good for Eric's business, but there's literally nothing he can do about it except for kill Victor, which he can't really do. Though we all want him to, since he tried to kill Pam and Sookie in the last book. What a dick. When they arrive, Pam meets them, but she's been badly beaten. Eric sent her ahead to make sure the bar was safe, and, well, she got beat up for trying to check this, so... Anyway, they enter the bar, see it's full of Elvis stuff, and talk to Victor, who's been made regent of the state, though he desperately wants to be king, and as regent, he's allowed to open businesses wherever he wants to keep all the money. It clicks for Suki, then, that Vic's redneck roadhouse also belongs to Victor, and that he's really trying to run Fantasia and Merlots out of business. God damn, he's the worst. He is the worst, but I like that she's like, huh? It's called Vix, and his name is Victor, so that can't be the same thing. Oh, wait, maybe it is. <laughs> it's literally called Vix. Anyway, Victor... In addition to being terrible for opening up business-destroying bars, is also terrible because he has Pam's girlfriend, Miriam, sitting there too. She's very, very ill, and as regent, Victor has declared that Pam cannot turn her into a vampire. Oh, so that's why Eric won't let Pam do that. Oh. 
Um, also, Victor's a dick. Then, Victor tries to share a drink with Eric and Pam, but has poisoned their glasses. The human who serves them clearly pushes this into Suki's mind, so she uses the blood bond to force Eric not to drink from the glass. He picks up on Suki's worry and drinks his true blood straight from the bottle instead, and Pam follows suit. Eric, Pam, Miriam, and Suki leave shortly afterward, and we all think that clearly... Victor needs to be murdered. Two of Victor's goons escort them out to the parking lot and tell them that they don't like Victor. And, you know, like all of us, they want him out of the picture. (laughs) Eric and Pam pretend offence at the goons' dislike of Victor, thinking this is another ploy of his to find them doing something wrong so he can punish them. The goons comment on how surprisingly weak they think Eric and Pam are and go back inside. Suki is shocked by Eric and Pam, but then they let Suki in on the fact that they might be trying to trick them, so she lets it go. Eric asks about the glasses and Suki tells him that they were laced with pure fairy blood, which might have caused her friends to go bonkers with bloodlust. How desperate is this guy he is so bad can we just kill him and get it over with let's have a party and kill him (sighs) on the drive home pam makes an odd comment about sookie being eric's wife and says that eric got a letter but then he turns around and forces her to stop talking he also forbids sookie from asking about what in the hell they're talking about it's very weird Suki would have liked to have asked where Victor got the fairy blood for the glasses, but she sits in silence the rest of the way home. The next day, Suki finally gets to talk to Claude and Dermot about why they're actually living with her, and they explain that when fairies spend time together, they gain strength and vitality from each other. They also say that there is a gap in the barrier that Niall put to keep fairies separate, and that tiny gap is in the woods by her house shock they also say that there is something about the house that draws them in this is a lot for suki to process but it's not bad and it's not as bad as she thought it was going to be what is bad is when she tells claude and dermot that victor tried to poison eric and pam with fairy blood and they realize that one of the fairies of their club that they haven't seen in a while is probably dead After all this, Suki tells Claude and Dermot that the antiques dealers are going to be there soon. Dermot offers to help clean up the newly emptied attic, and while they're up there, he asks if he could build a wall up there and create a room to live in. Suki feels so bad for not thinking that Dermot and Claude wouldn't always want to share a space, so she says that he can build a room and that she'll buy all the materials. The antiques dealers arrive and start looking through all of the old stackhouse treasures and find a secret panel in one of the old desks. They pry it open, and inside, Suki finds a velvet bag that her grandmother Adele used to keep sewing patterns in. When she opens it, she finds a letter instead. Mm. <gasps> oh. Suki doesn't get to read the letter right away, so she puts it in her nightstand and comes back to continue with the antiques dealers. They end up taking quite a bit of stuff, which is a relief. After the leave, Suki goes to work. Sam's got some insurance paperwork that he's been avoiding, so Suki works on it just to help Sam out. He really, really appreciates her stepping up. Seriously, though, Suki would do pretty much anything for Sam. Poor 
to look. He's her best friend. Aww. It's very sweet. So sweet that she just realized it. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> it's so cute. I'm okay. melting. My face is melting with the cute. Okay, so um, that's really nice and whatever. But it's not nice when the private investigators who investigated freaking Debbie Pelt's disappearance come in. But they were sent from Little Rock by Mr. Cataliades to arrive at the exact moment that they did. They tell Suki that Sandra Pelt... Debbie's little sister, who tried to kidnap and kill Suki a bunch of times several books ago, has gotten out of prison and is possibly coming for her. <sighs> and then four goons hopped up on vampire blood come in. They say they're there for the blonde, which is obviously Suki, but nearly everyone gets up to stop them. Sam and Janelin fly at the guys, and the private investigators pull guns and break arms. Andy Belfler is there, and he pulls his gun, too, and another bar patron throws a dart. <laughs> the goons are taken out in less than five minutes, and then they are immediately taken away by the police. Suki goes home and pretty much immediately goes to bed. Suki wakes up startled the next day and pulls out the letter and velvet bag from her grandmother. She goes down to the kitchen, really wanting to put off reading the letter, so first she calls Mr. Catalides to see why and how he knew to send the investigators, but he doesn't answer. Then she calls Amelia, who was back with Bob, about the wards protecting the house and if she can help her track down Sandra Pelt. Amelia said she'll ask around the coven and come see her in a few days. Hooray! Amelia again! Suki finally opens the letter from her grandmother. It's a confession to Suki written some years ago. She explains that she slept with Fintan and had her two children and that she was upset with herself for sleeping with someone other than her husband, but she doesn't regret it. She explains that he's part fairy and that you should never say thank you to a fairy because it puts you in their debt. She also writes about a big, dark man, referring to himself as Suki's godfather, who she assumes is Mr. Cataliades, and that he left her a gift for protection. It's a small green and gold thing that kind of looks like a makeup compact, and it's called a Cluviel door. It can be used only once for protection, but there's nothing about how to use it or what it will do. Suki hides it in her makeup drawer, though she wants to keep touching it because it makes her feel happy. Is that why Claude and Dermot are there? Does the Cluviel door make them happy too? Does it spark joy? <laughs> Suki goes to work and has a pretty decent normal day, at least for a little while. Andy's at my lots again with Bud Dearborn and he's very happy about his new baby that will be arriving soon. He asks Suki to tell Bill that Portia is pregnant too, which could be weird on account of them dating and also being related, but you know, whatever. Andy leaves and Bud tells Suki that she should have a baby because all the other women are having babies and surprisingly she's like, no, I don't have to have a baby to be fulfilled. 
and we all go, yes, way to go, Yay! Suki. <laughs> Shortly after this, Sandra friggin' Pelt comes in oh. with a gun, oh. screaming about how she just can't kill Suki no matter what she does. The firebomb didn't totally work, sick. sending goons didn't work, and so now she's here to do the job herself. Suki keeps Sandra distracted for a little bit while Sam hands Terry Belfleur a baseball bat. As Sandra's about to pull the trigger, Terry bashes her, then freaks out with PTSD. Suki holds him and soothes him, and then Terry says something interesting. Niall and Eric have been coming to talk to him for a while, looking for information about Suki's life and to ask him to keep her safe. He hasn't done such a bad job, actually, all things considered. Eric arrives after Sandra is taken away, and then they head back to Suki's. Suki is anxious to talk to Eric about their future and how she doesn't know if he would want to be with her without their bond. He invites her to move in with him to keep her safe, but is that just because he can feel when she's worried or scared? It doesn't matter to him why he loves her, he just does, but she can't shake the feeling that once she starts ageing, he'll be done with her. He offers to make her a vampire, but she doesn't think that'll work either, and then, before they can talk more, Amelia and Bob arrive. They share pleasantries and not-so-pleasantries about why Amelia is visiting, and then Eric leaves for Fantasia, and Amelia and Bob go to bed. Just as Suki is about to go to bed too, she hears a knock at the door. It's Bill. <gasps> Bill has come to check on Suki since they haven't spoken for several weeks. He's fully healed from the silver poisoning thanks to Judith, his sister lover's blood, which he wouldn't have gotten without Suki's help. Then he tells Suki that he doesn't really feel anything for Judith, but he does feel badly about it because she loves him so much. <sighs> Thankfully, she's eavesdropping in the woods and leaves on her own. She just can't compete with Suki. As Bill is about to go back to his house, free from his obsessive sister lover, Suki gets a phone call from Bud. Sandra escaped from the hospital and is probably going to come after her. Oh, great. Bill decides to keep watch. Freaking pelts. The freaking pelts. Jesus. Rage. Rage. So much rage. Okay. The next day, Suki goes with Remy and Hunter to Hunter's kindergarten visit. It goes pretty well, and Suki works with Hunter on keeping his telepathy a secret, though both the telepaths pick up on some very bad vibes from one of the teachers. Luckily, Remy can let the school know that he doesn't want his son in that classroom. While Remy and Hunter explore other classrooms, Suki talks to the creep teacher, and the rest of the day goes well. They eat ice cream, and Suki goes back home. How very normal. It's very normal. It's fine. Amelia and Bob are resetting the wards on Suki's house when she gets back, so she goes exploring in the woods to see if she can find the gap to Fairy. She's able to spot it pretty easily and sits there for a minute, talking to Niall through it, though she has no idea if he's there or not. When Suki gets back to the house, they cook a steak dinner, and while they're eating, Amelia tells Suki that she learned how to break the bond between her and Eric. Without much thought to the consequences, Suki asks her to do it. 
Eric calls in a panic to make sure she's okay and is angry when he learns what she's done. If Victor ever realizes, it's going to be bad for Sookie. After he's had some time to cool off, Amelia and Bob go to the movies and Eric comes over. Even though the bond is broken, they still love each other very much and have sex outside on the porch swing. And then they brush each other's hair. It's true love. No. With the hair brushing. No. Stop it. No. Stop with the hair brushing. (gasps) Rage, more rage. (laughs) Eric and Suki decide they need to do something about Victor now that the bond is broken. Should have thought of that before. You should have, Jesus. Mad that Victor warned that Pam turn her sick girlfriend. And then Eric tells a story that Heidi, his tracker, that is a spy for Victor, told him about Victor removing the tongue from the human mother of a vampire, Chico, that wronged him. Nasty. Victor made Chico eat the tongue, so he got sick and the mother died. Oh. No, that's just, just, no. Why would you do that? What, that, no. No. Yeah. They make a plan to go talk to the guy at Vampire's Kiss who tipped her off about the fairy blood. They follow him home from the club and learn that he is Colton, Chico's brother, and his girlfriend, Audrina, used to date Jason. So, she knows Suki. I mean, everybody used to Everybody date used to date Jason. Who are we kidding? <laughs> they all feel like they can trust each other and they want Victor dead. So, they plan to meet up the next night at Suki's. It's a party. I'll bring snacks. When Sookie gets home the next morning, Alcide is in her bed. He, what? He heard from Amelia that the bond is broken, and Janelin suggested that he just go to her house and get naked in her bed to try to win her over. It's a bad plan. All yeah. around. They talk a little, but Eric's new day man, a lone werewolf named Mustafa, who Eric hired because of Bubba, will be there soon to pick up Eric's car that he left there the night before. So, Alcide needs to go. Also, he doesn't need to be there anyway, and also, he needs to put on pants. They talk about (laughs) Sookie being shaman a little bit, but she's just not interested in anything Alcide right now. So he leaves. But he's like, hey, don't forget about me, babe. Don't forget about me. I'm right here. I'm always here I'm, for I'm you. I'm tote snake. Like, uh, no pants. No shirt. Uh, you can, like, see my nips. I'm, like, in your bed. Oh, uh, my big, wolfy nips. I'm so hairy. <laughs> I'm so hairy. <laughs> Mustafa arrives a little bit later with a helper to drive Eric's car back to Shreveport but Suki doesn't really get much from him except the fact that Mustafa is chosen name and he doesn't think much of vampires except for Bubba and by association Eric that's good enough for Suki so she lets Mustafa and his pal Warren leave then she turns on Amelia and Claude she's mad at Amelia for telling Alcide about the bond and also mad at Claude for just letting him come inside and get naked that she gets kicked then she kicks them all out Bye. Bye. See Get ya. out. All Get of you made very poor decisions. So You overstayed your welcome. Get out. Dermot sits on the porch, not really knowing what to do with his life, unlike Claude. So Suki decides to let him stay and continue to work on the attic. 
Suki asks what Claude's purpose in being there was, but Dermot won't betray his confidence. Oh well, she'll just have to worry about that later. Shrug! No! Nah, you need to figure that out. As Dermot leaves to get supplies, he tells Suki that he really likes the house, which makes her think about the Cluviel door. <sighs> Suki asks Dermot to stay out of the house later that night because she's having a murder planning committee come over, and he's just fine with being outside anyway. Yay! Yay! A little bit later at Merlot's, Suki encounters a downtrodden Sam paying bills. He's actually worried about not being able to pay them right now because business is so bad, but there's not really anything Suki can do to help. So she works hard and then heads home, but stops for some groceries on the way. As she's getting out of her car, it starts raining really hard, and she notices the back door of her house is open. Surely Dermot wouldn't be so careless? Then she's attacked! Suki bashes an attacker with a jug of milk and takes off running through the rain toward Bill's house. She strips naked and sneaks inside down to Bill's crawlspace where he's currently dead for the day, also naked. Okay, look, I got a question here. She was really just really pissed at Alcide for being naked in her house and she's literally doing the exact same thing right now to Bill. Yeah, but the difference is though Bill would probably be like, and he is and he does yes uh so bill wakes up a couple times and gets excited wink that suki is nakedly there with him (laughs) his penis is engorged it's sad because bill is boring (laughs) mini me oh my oh my okay um so bill's engorged penis um is excited that suki is nakedly there with him but then he realizes that she is nakedly there for a reason there are people in his house suki hears them talking about taking one of that guy's ears which sounds bad for probably dermot but nothing about who they are or why they're after her She and Bill stay hidden until the strangers leave. Then he goes out, nakedly, to investigate. After not finding anything or anyone, Bill drives Suki back over to her house. Without an engorged penis. Nakedly. Nakedly. No, he's not naked now. He's got clothes on. Upstairs, they find an injured Dermot, and Bill wants to eat him. (laughs) (laughs) So Suki forces him to leave, and she calls Claude for help. Belenos, the elf, answers his phone and comes over to help since Claude isn't really welcome in Suki's house anymore. Belenos breathes into Dermot and he begins healing and we find out that Dermot took down Amelia's wards with plans to put fairy wards up instead but forgot when he started working on the attic. Damn it. Dermot, man! Belenos puts some elf wards up and he and Dermot go out looking for the humans that attacked them. We're going on a hunting party. (laughs) While they're gone, Eric and Pam, part of the murder planning committee, show up. But not much later, Belenos and Dermot return with the heads of the attackers. Oh, that's special. Suki barfs, and then they look through the belongings of the guys and find out that they are both normal humans with $300 each in their wallets and some cards for Vic's Redneck Roadhouse. So someone paid them to come after Suki. Probably. Sandra Pelt. 
or Ooh. maybe Victor. Ooh. Before the Victor murder planning can begin, Eric gets a phone call from who Suki assumes is King Felipe, but it's the Queen of Oklahoma instead. <laughs> Pam hints to Suki that this is bad, and Suki realizes that Eric's got a thing with the queen. When Eric gets off the phone, he forces Pam to leave and comes clean. Before Appius Livius died, he arranged a marriage between Eric and the queen of Oklahoma that he can't get out of. He can't keep Suki as his wife if he marries Oklahoma, so Suki is pretty devastated. Eric is still trying to get out of the arranged marriage, though, so maybe everything will be fine. Soon enough, Colton and Audrina arrive, and Pam comes back, and Bill and Bubba come in too, so they plan the murder of Victor. Suki has a brilliant idea involving Bubba. Vampire's kiss was full of Elvis stuff, after all. Oh! The next morning, Suki cleans house and gets ready for the baby shower she's hosting for Tara the following day. Dermot arrives while she's looking through pictures from the attic and he spots his brother Fenton in several of the photos pretending to be Suki's grandfather. That's weird. But Dermot says that Adele loved both her husband and Fenton, so it's not that weird. Suki resumes cleaning, and then she decides to take a check from her savings account and give money to Sam for the bar. It takes some convincing, but he agrees to take the money and pay her back when he can. She feels better after giving him the money, especially when she figures she's probably going to die anyway when they try to kill Victor later that night. (laughs) <laughs> Sam calls Suki when she gets home and tells her that he has a message for her from Amelia that she still she needs to check her email. So she does. She also sees an email from Mr. Catalides, which she reads first. He tells her that Sandra Pelt, fecking Sandra Pelt, is still on the loose and to be careful. He also learned from Amelia's brain when he ran into her at the magic shop in New Orleans, that she is researching the Cluviel door. So that must mean that Suki found one and Finton left for her. He tells her to think hard before she uses its magic and that he hopes to get by soon to explain more to her. After reading, Suki thinks for a good long while about what a coincidence it is that Mr. Catalides is also a telepath. What a coincidence. Amelia's email is a big apology about trying to set her up with Alcide and has more information about the Cluviel door. Amelia learned that the Cluviel door is a very rare fairy love token that can grant one wish. Oh, wow. Fenton must have really loved them to leave such an amazing gift. Suki wonders what she should do with the wish. Should she use it to get rid of Victor? Could she use it to get rid of her telepathy? Or maybe hunters? She takes Mr. Cataliades' advice to think hard about what she'll use it for, but she does bring it to Fantasia with her that night for the Elvis-themed Victor murder party. <laughs> She's got images of her, like, paper cups and paper plates and the yep. paper table runners and... They decide to have the Elvis-themed Victor murder party after hours in Fantasia. 
There aren't too many people there, but they have a good setup. When Victor arrives with his entourage, including a new second-in-command who has a sword, everyone gets arranged, and then Bubba comes out and starts singing. Victor is mesmerised, and the plan almost goes off without a hitch, except for the sword guy notices as Eric moves in on Victor with a stick for the kill. It takes some effort and an unwanted death or two, but after only a short time, Suki has nearly decapitated Victor with sword guy's sword, while Pam holds him still, and Eric finishes the job. Get off your shoulders! Bill takes Suki home because she's still upset about Eric and the Queen of Oklahoma. They talk about how they both know that Eric likes being powerful and Suki worries because in this situation, she really has no power at all. She goes to sleep because the next day is baby shower day and she needs her rest. The baby shower goes well and everyone is happy, so that's good. Then Mr. Cataldes arrives, kind of disheveled. He hangs out in the kitchen eating sandwiches until the party is over. Suki asks Mr. Catalides about being her sponsor and what that means. He says he visited with her father and her aunt after they were born to see if they had a certain spark in them in order to give them a gift, but they did not. Then he came back to meet Jason and Suki and was pleased to see that Suki did have the spark. What spark is that, you ask? It's an openness to the other world. Mr. Catalides gave a little of his blood to Adele when she and Finton got together, and if that blood passed through to any of her relatives who had that spark, Mr. Catalides' blood would give that person the gift of telepathy. Suki almost mentions how Hunter has it too, but she stops herself. Mr. Cataliades then explains the Cluvial door a little. Fenton gave it to Adele, but she never used it, and it can't be used to take away Sookie's, or Hunter's, as it were, telepathy, unfortunately. It can't be used to cure world hunger or poverty, but it can be used to kill someone if it is done to protect someone that you love. Suki then asks about Hadley and how she ended up with the Queen of Louisiana. But apart from Hadley having some fairy blood, he doesn't really know how they ended up together. Or even that Bill ended up being sent to her by the Queen. Mr. Cataldes says he's being followed by someone and they're catching up to him. So he abruptly leaves. Before he does, he tells Suki not to tell anyone at the fairy club that she has a cluvial door because they will kill her for it. Good to know. Yeah. Sam calls after Mr. Catalides leaves and asks Suki to come to Merlot's because someone left her a nice big package with a big bow. Hmm. His voice is kind of odd, so Suki asks if he can just bring the gift to her at her house. He asks someone in the background, which is also odd, and then says they'll be right over. Suki's got a good idea who left her this gift. So she gets her shotgun out of the closet (laughs) and waits. What if it really was a present? (laughs) I mean, if a big box with the big bows left at Merlot's for me, Sam could bring it over. Better get the shotgun. Always have a shotgun for any gifting. (laughs) Okay. Got me potpourri? Shotgun. Shotgun. Sam arrives with Janelyn. And Sandra friggin' Pelt is with him. 
When they get out of the car, Sookie shoots at Sandra, hitting her in the arm. Then Janelin starts fighting her. Sam helps a little, and Sookie does too, and the fight ends pretty quickly with Sandra's broken neck and smashed head. Yay! Yay! Suki breaks down because of all of the deaths she's witnessed in a short period of time, especially this one, which was exceptionally violent. Even Sam seemed a little queasy about it. Suki then decides where to dispose of the body. They carry it to the gap in the woods that leads to Fairy and shove it through. <laughs> Work done! Sam and Janelin leave, and Suki goes inside to watch Jeopardy. Finally! Something normal. <laughs> the end! <laughs> the end. <sighs> Talk about waste disposal. Oh my god, I know, it was a garbage disposal. And there was literally someone on the other side, they said, sounded like crunching up the bones. Wait, you said someone. It's, I would say something. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. Anywho, I'm going to go and dispose of my enemies to uh, a fairy portal. Okay, so um, I'm going to I'm gonna open up some gifts with a shotgun. So yeah, we'll be back. Perfect. What's up, fellow book nerds? It's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction. Hear book club style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free and you too can have a shelf addiction. Job done. No evidence. <laughs> Terrible. <sighs> All right. So, standout moments. <laughs> well, I'm it's not standout, but I am going to point out the two things I swear had happened in different ways. I don't know why I'd convinced myself, but eh, so be it. I was 100% sure Niall, Suki's grandfather, broke the blood bond for Suki. That was like, you know how he said, if there's anything I can do, basically like, you know, a granting wish sort of situation, but, you know, in a grandfatherly way. Yeah. I swear Suki said to him, oh, can you get rid of this blood bond for us, please? Apparently not. Um, And also, I was sure Sam made Suki assistant manager of Molots by now. Because I... she freaking does most of the paperwork and she's she technically does. like a bought-in partner at this point. Yes, especially since she gave him part of her $150,000 from Claudine. Um, but I think, I know that we've we've read all of the short stories. I think that happens after this book. Yeah. It might be in between books, mm. but but it happens now because... One, she's done all the paperwork, and two, she just paid all of the bills. So surely that means something. You would think, you would hope. Yeah. Yeah. But as for Niall breaking the blood bond, I I don't recall that being a thing. So I, it, maybe it's you're just, just crazy? my brain. Yeah, probably. Just making it up as I go along. Yeah. Or may- maybe it's how I wanted it to go. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
Not no. particularly, you know, Amelia coming back and then going, Hey, Alcide, guess what I've done? You should come over and be naked in Suki's bed now. What was she thinking? I am so angry at Amelia for that. I know. It makes me so mad. And she's like, I just wanted you to be happy like I am with Bob, so I'm controlling your life, okay? And Suki's like, nah. Nah. Just because I don't have a blood bond with Eric anymore doesn't mean I don't want to jump his bones. Have you seen the guy? Yeah. Have you seen that guy? Hello. Claude, I can sort of understand. Claude's a fairy and fairies, you know, are all... You know, play to a yeah. different tune. Yeah. And he would do something like that. That is, you know, letting Alcide into the house is. It's, pure I feel cold. like I feel like he thinks that it's a joke. Like he yeah. just he just thinks it's hilarious. So of course he's gonna do it. Yeah. Or oh, you would have liked Alcide in his bed, perhaps. Probably. So in my Probably. But I am so angry at Amelia for it. The presumption, the gumption. I know. Ah. Oh. So annoying. Really pissed me off. Yes, me too. And the other thing, just while we're talking about what's annoyed me. Yeah. Fucking Sandra Pelt. God, I know. I know. I'm so bored of the Pelt storyline. I am so glad she's now being shot and garbage disposal. And then put through the garbage disposal. I am so glad because it means unless she comes back in the next two books in some weird and catastrophic way, they're done. I am over the pet yeah. story. It it went yeah. on for too long. Yeah. However, as as annoying as the Sandra Pelt storyline is, I really love all of the surprise attacks and like how poorly they go. I find that hilarious. Oh my god, she's so effectual, really, isn't she? Yeah. It's like, and then she gets so mad, like, why won't you die? Well, well the hello? first problem you've got, right, love, let's talk about this, is the fact that you're over-planning the situations, okay? If you want to kill Suki, you just walk up to her, knife her or something. You know, don't over-plan it. Don't. Don't subcontract this murder. No. And, like, she sends these goons and they're all... She apparently slept with all of them and also gave them all vampire blood, which... I thought you were going to say, also gave them all vampire crabs. (laughs) Yes, because she is a vampire hooker. (laughs) Ah, no. So... What like why? And because why do you and why lazy. do you go to her place of business that you know one hundred percent is owned by a shifter? Clearly there are some powerful people that are gonna be in this bar. Why would you go to the bar and do it? Do it when she go when she's in the Walmart parking lot walking to go and buy her groceries where no one is around. Don't yeah. stop trying to kill her in public. It's Why would she threaten to kill you in public? I think she threatened in public to kill her. Oh, clue. I mean, Suki is fairly, you know, she's she's got a pattern, you know? Unless one of the supernatural forces is going to drive her off into one direction or another for a couple of days, she's she's pretty, you know... 
obvious what she's going to be doing. Yeah, she's at home or she's at work. Or, or she she's at the library. The library or, or the, the grocery, grocery store. store. So get her then. Get her in the daylight so the vampires aren't an issue. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just completely. But this is what happens when you subcrime track murder and don't have an assassination party and sort it out yourself. Clearly, assassination parties are the way to go because, you know, they all sat down and they all shared their ideas and then they chose the best plan. You know, you gotta, you gotta think things through. Exactly, you gotta play for the th- play to the strengths. Yes. So vexing, so vexing. <sighs> but thankfully, she's been munched by a creature in the fairy portal. Yeah. After being dismembered. Fine. Phew. Fine. Okay. Speaking of murder plans, I really loved the Elvis plan. And like I said at the beginning, like I couldn't remember all of the parts of this one. But as soon as they walked into Vampire's Kiss and it was Elvis-themed, I was like, oh, yeah, they use Bubba. They use Bubba to kill him. Oh, yeah, because he's clearly in love with Elvis. It feels like it's been ages since we've had Bubba in as well. I know, and I love Bubba so much. I think Bubba's my favorite character, if we can just jump ahead for one second. Aww. I know. Aww. 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 But I, I, but I love the Elvis plan, especially because we all know that Bubba, <sighs> Bubba doesn't care for having been Elvis in the past, and he doesn't like for you to bring it up, and he only likes to sing on special occasions. So the fact that he would do this for Sookie, yeah, I mean that's just kind of great. Yeah. No. No. Do you know what else was great? What? We finally have mention of Oklahoma. Yes, I know. And that Oklahoma is so beautiful. <laughs> and Oklahoma is going to get to marry Eric. Annie <sighs> is going to be so... I don't I say annoying, but full of it. In yeah. Vampire Book Club. She is. I can't wait to talk to her about Both it. She's going to be so happy. Did you notice on Goodreads, Annie wrote a review and was screaming about Oklahoma being mentioned finally? Yes. <laughs> Everyone who goes to Goodreads and checks out the reviews on this book, that that Annie there at the top, that's our Annie. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like she's complained for so long that Oklahoma gets missed out, and then uh, in the end, as as we're coming to the end of the series, Oklahoma's getting Eric. Yes. So damn Annie, damn. I know. Kept that uh... one quiet, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So one of the other things that I did remember about this book, from having read it the first time, right after it came out. The Cluviel door. And I knew it was there and I knew it was going to be happening and this is when it happened. But having listened to the audiobook this time, I remember it in my head as Cluvaldor. So I'm glad that it's properly pronounced in the audiobook because in my head I was like, Where's the Cluvaldor? Where's the Cluvaldor? Here it is. Here's the Cluviel door. <laughs> Cluvaldor. 
I did like the bit when uh, Suki is looking at the family pictures and Dermot's like, oh, look, there's Vinton and there's Vinton and there's Vinton. She's like, no, it's my granddad. She's like, oh, it's Vinton. <laughs> Trust me, it's Vinton. There is something that I was bothered by with that, by the way, because I was under the impression that the fairies can like magically change how they look. And so I thought that is what was happening, especially when they mentioned he was like, no, look at his feet. He has tiny feet. He didn't change his feet. So look at that. But then, then it's implied that he was inside Grandpa Mitchell's body, which didn't make a lot of sense to me because Mm. why would his shoes, why would his feet change sizes if it wasn't just Fenton pretending to be him? Yeah. I mean, a fairy glamour is a pretty common, like, ability. Yeah, I mean, they all mention it all the time. Like, Dermot's like, eh, I can't go out in public very much because it's really hard for me to keep my fairy part, like, concealed. So clearly they're using glamour all the time. But that was just something that made me go, what? Because at first it's implied that he's just pretending to be him. What with that very specific line about his feet? And then later when she's talking to Mr. Catalides, she's like... He was, like, walking around in him like a puppet suit. And he's like, yep. Yeah, he did that a lot. Ha ha ha. Unless that's a specific ability that he had. But that's really weird. It's weird. It's really weird. It's weird. It, it's... it's all, we don't want to have this as a would you rather, I don't think. Would you rather somebody copy you and pretend to be you or somebody take over your body and pretend to be you Ooh, i'd rather a doppelganger a thousand times i don't want someone else living in my body because it's like it makes you wonder well if that was the case then what was happening to her grandfather like does did he have any awareness i know like was he in there just pushed aside in the background what's going on do you have blackout moments yeah consent is key as well yeah i don't like i don't like that no. I would rather I would rather Fenton pretend to be me with little feet. Yes. Oh, that little feet thing, I was just like, what? It pulled the, the the mention of little feet took me out of the story. I was like, that, that feels odd. Plus, how often do you get pictures of pe- with people's feet in them? Yeah, enough like to full be able to say body shots. And then it's gotta be enough to be able to say as well, those feet are little. Because if you're standing straight forward onto the camera, you're not going to really see the feet signs. No. No, I mean, it's if you're awkward. sitting there like, cross-legged on the sofa and you can see one and then one foot's bobbing, it's like, yeah, that's maybe little feet. Maybe. Maybe that. In the children's department. Yeah, why do you have such little feet? What's the deal? What's the deal with that? So weird. So weird. And clearly mm. forgotten about. Halfway <laughs> through the story. And replaced with another story. Yeah, well, I mean... Well, we know that Charlene Harris really wanted to make that video game, so she was tired of writing these books by now. I repeat what I said last book, last month. The story should have wrapped up by now. It should have. I don't mind finding out about the blood bond being dissolved. Right. And I don't mind about the conclusion with um, Victor. You know, that whole thing needs to be wrapped up. Yeah. 
Um, also, you know, Claude needs to go and do his get get a life. I don't yeah. mind Dermot still being around, being the crazy uncle who lives in the attic. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and we need Suki and Sam just need a freaking get it on at this point. Um, <laughs> but it's being drawn out too much, which just makes me think other bits of the series could have been sacrificed to tie up things nicely. Yeah, but it's clear that she had a 13-book contract, and yes. so she's had to stretch some stuff out. Yes, it's it's very... that that The background info you got this week is hugely revealing on a lot of things. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue about having more Eric in my life. Right. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, there are some things about these books that even though we're clearly getting annoyed with them, they're still things that I love. I love Eric. I do. I I love Pam. Yes. I love Bubba. Yep. I like a lot of stuff. I like Sam. Mm -hmm. I I do. But like, friggin' Hunter, can we just drop him off a cliff? So Can he be taken out by a helicopter? Kid. He does. He needs to be thrown out of the helicopter. Yeah, I'm. I'm not bothered about the hunter character. No, nope, don't all. care. I was. It reading... almost feels like the hunter character is being set up for a um like his own spin-off, spin-off series. series. Yeah. Um. I that is actually what I was about to say. Um. Oh. As I was reading through. Like, I was looking on Goodreads and reading the Charlene Harris Q&A and all of this stuff. And there was someone who was like, what's the deal with Hunter? Like, are you going to make stories about him? And she was like, nah. (laughs) Okay. So you're just providing so much information about him, but you're not going to do anything with him. Like, oh, that might be a good idea, but nah. Ugh. I'm starting to get Ugh. really problematic with. I can. I am understanding why I did not finish the series. But we're going to finish it, Claire. We are going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. It's going to happen. That is happening. It is happening. It is happening. Isn't it, Claire? It's happening. Yes. 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 It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's going to happen. But I'm understanding more and more. I why just I passed really. By I mean, not that there's anything wrong with stopping reading a book or a series or whatever when you don't like it. DNFing is totally fine. But I'm really surprised that you did that with this book with only having, you know, two or three left. That seems like a long time. But then also it's like, I've been doing this for forever and I just don't care anymore, which is also fine. But I'm just surprised. I'm surprised that you didn't stick it out. The main reason is aesthetics as you can see by the book behind me i know you've got the that really the ugly, ugly cover mm. i could not get the nice covers i know so because i couldn't get the nice covers i wasn't going to initially buy them and i did eventually bow down and get them it's the ugly colors the covers i hate them i hate them but it was mainly aesthetics like i would have chugged through the rest of the series and forced myself to read the rest of the series when especially knowing that there's only three left if the covers match the rest of the books i thought that i sent you this one 
Is this the only one that you don't have now? No, this one? Two I haven't got. Uh, the last one. Did I have draft it? You sent me this one. Oh, I sent you book 12. Next one. So the Good only book. two that you don't have now in the good covers. A Dead Reckoning and Dead After, Dead Ever After. Okay. I'm still on the lookout for them. I'll find them. I will. I got that last one at an estate sale for a dollar. <laughs> I could probably just go on the internet to be fair, but... No, I I this is stage. more fun. It, it's, it's a treasure hunt. It's more fun this way. I'm always on the lookout for those reindeers that you've always wanted. Reindeers? I had the plastic reindeer, light up reindeer. It's not a reindeer that I want, Claire. It's a donkey. It's donkey reindeer. <laughs> they basically look the same. It's not the same. Yes, basically I. The same. Listeners, please let me know if you find anywhere in the world a blow mold Christmas nativity light up donkey because that's all I want. I have wanted one for like 15 years now. But it has to be real one. It can't be one that you just find on Amazon. Like it's got to be a real thing. Please let me know, dear listeners. Light up donkey. And it's not allowed to be stolen from an no, actual It has to be purchased and acquired legally. Although I probably wouldn't be upset if someone stole one from a nativity scene because, ugh. What about Etsy? No, it's got to be a real legitimate one. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about this book some more. Who's your favorite character? I already revealed that I like Bubba the best. Who's your favorite character? Terry. Terry Belfleur. He did good. He did he real did. good. And he activated did. PTSD, bless him. Oh. But also I want to know what Niall and Eric have been saying to him and using him, and that feels a bit cruel as well. It does, but but they stopped his nightmares, which yeah. is really, really kind. And they're also like keeping his doggos safe, which he has lost a lot of dogs in his time, and now, now his sweet his sweet puppy is safe, and he's not having nightmares. So I feel like that's a good trade off. Yeah, if if he was getting nothing out of the deal, and I think, I think in this instance, Eric and I have actually done a fair exchange of services. Yeah, I think so. so. But it was nice to find like have another character actually step up to. To take front center for a moment. Same yeah. with Bubba as well. It was nice that it wasn't we're not relying on Sam and Eric and Bill, etc. etc. Yeah. 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 Oh, cringy scene. Need to revisit. The Bill when Suki's naked. Didn't this no. <sighs> Yeah, right. when he's Man. like, Is it Christmas? Nah, dude. No, nah, didn't nah. didn't need that. Nah. I it's also not Christmas, come on, man. Bill Give of it a course, rest. Your sister lover is going to be standing behind you when you're busy trash talking her. Of course that's going to happen. And she was very dignified in the, well, you know, I'll just go, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Poor Judith. 
Yeah. Not cool. And also, Suki, freaking think things through before you start breaking blood bonds because you are now in deep, deep, deep trouble. Yeah. And you put Eric in a horrible position as well. He shouldn't have tricked you to being his blood bond slash wife. He shouldn't have done that. You should have had a conversation. You should have communicated. Both of you should have communicated. But at least what he did kept her safe. Yeah. And she just did it willy-nilly because she doesn't think that he's going to like her anymore. She did it as a test for the love, and which that's is not, annoying. It's don't like, test when, oh, your love if, like if that. If you love me, you'll go and get me. It's like you remember in Stardust when we read that, and she's like, oh, Tristan, if you love me, you'll go and get me a piece of a star. Yes. And he's and, like, yeah, okay, I'll go to the end of the earth for you. No, you don't test people like that. It's no. Cool. And you know what? Nothing says love like a kidnapped, injured woman. It's my favorite line from that movie. <laughs> Wait, no, nothing says, I think it's nothing says love like the gift of a kidnapped, injured woman or something along those lines. Something along those lines, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Have Mm. some thought, please, please, please. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Moving on. Yeah. Surprises? Um... I, like I said, had forgotten a couple things about this book, but I forgot that they fed Sandra through the gateway to fairy like a garbage disposal and that somebody, someone or something ate her. Forgot about that. Do you think she got minced on the way through? I think, no, I think she got minced as she came out the other side and in directly into the teeth of a waiting creature. Which, like... Is there somebody just sitting there all the time going, ooh, I wonder if someone's going to put some food through the portal today? Like, I think, well, I think there's some wild animals on the other side and they can smell the human or the wolf or, or the, the vampire corpse. or something or yeah. the corpses. Because, I mean, yeah. come on, her backyard is 99% corpse, it 1% is. antiques. It is. But I appreciate that they were making jokes in the book about that and how, like, she should just call her field the bone farm or whatever she calls it. And they're like, hey, isn't that the title of a book? And they're like, yeah, ha, 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 I like reading books. And it was Sam that said that. And then Suki's like, oh, body farm, yeah. And Sam's like, hey, isn't that a book? And then we're like, oh, Sam reads books, you know, and then we get swoony about Sam reading books. Well, of course he reads books because he's got a special library. He does. I want to go to that library. I want to go to there. I want to go to the special library too. I don't don't know what I would look up first. I don't know. You just want to read all the things. Sniff all the books. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Did you have any surprises? Freaking out, Amelia inviting Alcide over and like being like, "Oh, be naked in her bed, leave your body hair on her sheets." No? Yeah, don't like, freaking do that. Yeah, it's I not being a friend. It's not being cool. No, and I can understand Claude 
being in on this and also Janelin because I feel like Janelin doesn't really care for Sookie very much because she knows that Sam and Sookie have this like tie this bond so she's like you know kind of wanting to fuck with her life a little bit and thinks it would be funny to send Alcide over just to like fuck shit up and then Claude thinks it would be funny because he thinks that Alcide is sexy and just wants to see a naked dude in their house. But understandable. Yeah, but Amelia n- should know better. Yeah, she this, shouldn't do that. That seems to be the theme of this book: is not thinking things through. Yes. Nobody seems to think things through. No. Insert name here. Should know better. That's the life lesson. That's the theme of this book. It's just, yeah, it was vexing. But that was my surprise that Amelia would do that. I know. It's not cool. No, it's really, really not. You know, if if your friends had a breakup, you don't send a naked person to their bed. You bring ice cream and movies and wine. Yeah, you don't bring a naked dude. Very annoying. Don't bring a naked dude over when your friend is sad. <laughs> you can do it other times. Yeah. <sighs> a better, better timing as well. Yeah. And also, Bob's there, like... Bob. He, he was surprisingly forgiving, actually. Yeah, he was. But I like Bob, so that's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm also a little surprised about Mr. Cataliades being so, like, wrapped up in Sookie's family. To the point that he is the reason she's a telepath. Yeah. He literally gave her that gift. So it's not even necessarily because she's a fairy. It's not even a fairy thing. It's not. It's not. It's a demon thing. It's just a demon gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's Sleeping Beauty though, isn't it? Yeah. I give give you the little gift of laughter. I give you the gift of love. I wasn't invited to this party, so bitch, you're going to sleep. (laughs) I wasn't invited, so fuck you. And that is why Maleficent has style. Yes, indeed. Also, the horns help with our style a little bit. Oh, the aesthetic is strong. It is, yeah. <sighs> Anywho. <laughs> Should we move on to Would You Rather? Would you rather? I'm glad we both reached at exactly the same time for the dolls. Of course. I've been playing with my doll the whole time. Oh, I've played with the hair. It's gone up, it's gone down. I've been planting it. Yep. Anywho. <laughs> the whole time. Anytime I'm looking down, it's me petting my doll's hair. <laughs> my T-shirt keeps walking up. Oh, no. Control my tummy. No, no. Anywho. Would you rather? <laughs> we asked on social media. Would you rather go to a baby shower... Oh, an assassination party. Assassination party. Assassination. Overwhelmingly, on every medium of social media, 
it's assassination party. 77% on Facebook, 78% on Instagram, 100% on Twitter and 93% on TikTok. I'm not surprised. Nobody wants to go to a baby shower. Ugh. Ugh. I've never been to one. Ugh. Didn't have one. It's like begging for presents to me, but you know, whatever. Comments on Facebook. Colin on Facebook said, I'd have to go with assassination party. Baby showers are far too wholesome for my liking, so let's go for a party that's a bit more lively. I imagine it's a bit like a multiplayer mode on Assassin's Creed. Also, he he he, ass ass in. That's delightful. <laughs> ass ass in. Oh. Annie on Facebook said, Oklahoma. Sorry, no. That's not what she said, although she was thinking it. Yeah. As someone who is child free by choice, hey, me too, yay. I have long said if you make me come to your baby shower and listen to horror stories of giving birth and play ignorant games involving diapers and Hershey bars, you will not get a present. Let me stay home with a book and you will get a great present. Now, adding, let me go to assassination party and the gift will be epic. It's all about the gifts, man. It is, it is. Vincent on Facebook said, Assassination Party just sounds cooler. Bree on Facebook says, Both of these will end badly for me. I'll go with the baby shower because it has a higher chance of snacks, and I don't have to help clean up when it's done. With the assassination party, it's a bad idea to bring finger food in case guests have weak stomachs, and if you're willing to make the bodies, you're obligated to help the host dispose of them. That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah. But if you've got a fairy portal in the backyard, sort of. Yeah, just shove it through. L20Kev on Instagram said, I'm safer at an assassination party than a baby shower, as it's very unlikely that there'd be a second assassin there as well as me. Mm. Excellent point. Yes. Unless it is a Brotherhood Assassin's Creed thing. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. We had some good library comments this time. One of them said, Vampire. Why would you willingly pick baby over vampire anything? Unless it's a baby vampire. I would go to that. Hmm. I think it would depend on what kind of baby vampire as well. Because if it was a Claudia situation, Hmm. you kind of would want to go because you don't want to be on a bad side. Right. But also creepy. Yeah. Or like that that baby vampire that... (laughs) Vampire Jane tossed into a fire in in Twilight. Can I go to that party? Yeah. Can we yeah. just can we just toss babies into fires? Ooh, stop talking me. That's anyway. Um I'm just other, enjoying your goodness. <laughs> other comments from the library include no way I can beat a vampire, so I'll go to the shower of babies. And then finally, I don't care for baby showers at all. But my chances of dying by being assassinated, by being associated with a baby shower, are way less than an assassination party. See, at least least those two are thinking of, like, self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I feel like we don't even have to answer this question betwixt the two of us because vampires are involved so we always pick vampire next move on (laughs) i mean right (laughs) 
give me the sword. I will go and take Victor's off my head off myself. Yes, yes, same Z's. While Elvis is singing in the background. I know. <laughs> All right. Next question. Would you rather? Now you can't just you can't just automatically answer vampire on this one. We have to <laughs> discuss it. Would you rather be healed by fairy breath or vampire blood? Vampire blood. I know. Other than, other than the fact that it's vampire blood, right? Um, the fairy breath thing really just was a bit freaky. And I, I really like don't want anyone breathing directly into my open mouth. I don't mind if you need to give me CPR because I've stopped breathing. Fine, but. Generally speaking, no. Just breathing, just breathing into someone's open mouth. No, it's weird. It's hot, and moist. Oh, oh, it's warm. Be healed. <sighs> and what if, like, you ate something gross, or they ate something gross? They're like. They got well. I'll like be a... honest. I've had a bit of a, bu- a, a, a a funny tum since lunchtime, and I've been terribly burpy today. And you know what it's like if you eat something and you burpy. Oh, it's coming back to haunt me. Like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna heal you now, but between but... the sandwich, yeah, you know, <sighs> coffee. Yeah, so I, ha- yeah, I don't. I don't do chewing gum. I hate chewing gum. It's Me disgusting too. Stuff. It's vilest Ugh. and vile thing. Yeah, Ugh. I hate it. I hate it. So you know, and I don't really eat mints. So you're getting, you're getting coffee breath basically. Yeah. So ha- mm. be healed by my coffee breath. Mm. <sighs> it's just hot and moist. Yeah. I do like, however, when Bellinos was there and he was healing Dermot and so he's like what are you doing and he's like breathing into him duh <laughs> oh like she should know what that is and what that means I really liked Bellinos where's how, he been where's he been he all my life how was he one of your favorite characters he was I just I forgot because I also liked the Bubba storyline in this one true Didn't but yeah I really liked Bellinos. I like the fact he was just like pissed off with everything. Yeah. Like, can you go put on a shirt, please? Jesus. I like like (sighs) characters who are just pissed off and it's like, ugh, you again. Yeah. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather wish for the death of your smoking hot boyfriend's nemesis or wish for your young cousin's telepathic ability gone mm, no forget that kid anything for eric yeah i mean to anything. be fair to be fair we've already said we are so not bothered by the hunter character so no we're really not we're not gonna help him out no <laughs> no plus Although... your boyfriend's smoking hot right he is um wasn't that scene a little weird when, like, they're there and they're meeting all the teachers and then one is a super creep who thinks about, like, duct taping children to chairs and shit? Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure 
I'm, I, I'm glad that she talked to the teacher about, like, hey, stop thinking what you're thinking, but I'm pretty sure I probably would have called the cops. Like, I would have made up a story about this person. Because... There's a very good chance of evidence of something somewhere. Yeah. Ugh. That was rough. I've said this before, not on the podcast, but in life in general. Some people should not be teachers. No. Ugh. 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 It's gross. Stop <sighs> being gross. Stop it. Do you want right. to be a garbage person? Is it secret question time? Yes, I'm dreading what you've got. Mine's rubbish. No. I want you now. <laughs> see, see, now mine, I warned you beforehand when we were chatting that my question is not as saucy or ridiculous as they normally are. My question has emotions to it this time. Oh. I know. You've obviously got leftovers from last week. I do. I have leftover emotions. So, my question is, would you rather manipulate Terry Belfleur or Bubba, even though they're both definitely going to suffer from your manip- manipulation? Oh. Wow. I'm having to seriously think about this one. I know. Okay, I'm going to just mind blur vomit my thought process. Mind blur vomit, yes. That's the thing. Mind blur vomit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, if you manipulate Terry Belfler, he's human. Am I a vampire? So, Mm. Eric slash Niall? Yeah. Okay, so... Because the way you could go is you could manipulate Terry but then use your vampire slash fairy superpowers to kind of like play with his mind to make him forget or at least not be as unsettled. Mm-hmm. But as a human I think his brain's a bit more fragile. Yeah. Now, Bubba, I can't help but feel with Bubba, with Bubba, if you gave him a couple of cats to feed on afterwards, he'd probably forget what he was, like, upset by five minutes later. You know, five minutes ago, he was really upset. He's had a couple of cats to munch on. And he's just kind of like, okay, I'm fine now. Uh-huh. But then... You've sacrificed cats. Yeah, but whatever. They've, they've, they've served a greater purpose. Um, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be Bubba. Because I feel like, at least with Bubba, he can recover from it. He yeah. can move on from it. I think, I think that, whereas Terry, he is, he's just a walking trauma. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't I, think it's fi- fair to give him anything that anymore. It's not right. No, uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I am, I am going to manipulate Bubba for basically the same reasons, minus the cat sacrifices. Um, but I feel like Bubba, being a vampire, 
being undead, being an immortal, will be able to better cope with it. And also, like, he was kind of, he was manipulated for the greater good. And I feel like, yeah, Terry was keeping Sookie safe, but he's so much more fragile than Bubba is. And I just want to sit in the floor and, you know, like, pat him on the shoulder and make sure he's okay. I don't want to hurt Terry Belfleur. He's too precious. Yeah. So I'm I'm At gonna... least with Bubba you can explain, can't you? Yeah, because Bubba's already part of this world and Terry is not. So I feel like it would take a lot more explaining and also probably a lot more brain breaking to explain mm. all of this to Terry than it would be to Bubba. You're like, yeah. Bubba, I know that you don't really like being your regular persona anymore, but we can do a lot of good with it, and you only have to do it once for like 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a greater sacrifice for Terry than it is for Bubba. I think I think Bubba can make an informed decision. Terry couldn't. Yeah. And it's just coming back down to consent is key. And I know we're talking about manipulation. But Bubba was at that assassination party. He, he was there. Knew, yeah. He was an integral piece of the plan. Yeah. And I think if he turned around and said, no, I can't do it, they would have reassessed it. Maybe yeah. not come up with a better plan, but I think they would have reassessed it. So it's just coming down to consent and ethics <laughs> yeah and also like if you tell victor hey come to this come to this elvis party and then he gets there and there's not an elvis well you're still gonna kill him anyway and you just got him there under false pretenses and that's fine so even if bubba wasn't involved you still could have been like hey we got this elvis and he's gonna sing like big deal if he's well, exactly. not actually there when you show exactly. up. Exactly. You would just say to Victor, we got Bubba to come and perform, and he'll know who Bubba is. He'll go. Yeah. So you, you're not using the person, you're using the name. You're right. You're using yeah. the idea of the person. Yes. Yeah. So let's just That's manipulate Elvis. Question. Yeah, it's a I know. question. Thank but you. it's more the... You in, I, I don't know about you, but I instinctively know it had to be Bubba, but it was like, well, I need to... I yeah. need to understand my reasoning behind it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's yours? Okay. Would you rather have a fairy portal in your backyard with nasty beasties on the other side and you don't know if they could actually come through that portal to your world or live next door to a bar that may get firebombed or attacked by an angry mob or be a dumping ground for bodies? Mm. no real emotion involved in this one <laughs> yeah I think that I'm going to go with fairy portal in my backyard because my question is you have just shoved Sandra Pelt through this hole so what's stopping you from going through that hole the wee bistas <laughs> the wee bistas 
I mean, you're alive when you're going through. You could be like, hey, don't eat me. Hey, I'm part fairy. And they'd be like, stick a really big stick through. Yeah. And then pull it back to see if it gets gnawed on or something. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through. And who's to say you can't just sit over there on the other side and be like, hey, I know that I sat here one day talking to Niall, even though he may or may not be there. But like, hi, my name is Sookie Stackhouse. I am part fairy. Niall is my great grand fairy grandfather. And I'm going to come through this hole, okay? I just feel like you could say that out loud and whomever is on the other side probably won't want to harm you because, you know, Niall's the Prince of Fairies. So He put I just... the portal there. Huh? He put the portal oh, there. Oh, I thought you said who put the portal there and I was like, Niall? Uh, no, yeah, so he put it there. Yeah. So I I am going to live by the fairy portal so I can go through it. Okay. What about you? I'm going to have the fairy portal so I have a quick disposal of my enemies. Yeah, okay. I mean, I would... Because at the very least, if there's beasties on the other side, they might be my friends because I keep feeding them. That's true, yeah. And I might like to live next door to Merlots, but I feel like, you know, sometimes... Yeah, I would love to go over there and just, like, get fried pickles whenever I want them. But also, like, what if they're having, you know, a rowdy night at the bar and I just want to go to bed? Well, exactly. If they're not done and dusted by half past nine, I'm not impressed. Right? But I would like to go over there and get fried pickles. And yes. burgers and chili dogs and everything else that they have. I bet Kennedy does a mean burger. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy is pretty cool. So, yeah. But still, I'm going to go, I'm going to have the fairy portal so I can go through it. Yeah. And I'm going to have it as garbage disposal. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Favorite final thought quote? Oh, 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 well, I'm going to go for that one. Um, fuck, 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 Which fuck, I don't fuck. know if it's a quote from the book. Or it's just us. Or it's just my life. <laughs> um, it was Janelin, okay? Janelin oh. said fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck after bashing Sandra's skull in, I think? Yeah. Do you have any more? Uh, I want to give you one more. Okay. Uh, go on, Sucky Stackhouse. Narrow avoidance of death diet. Run for your life and miss meals too. <laughs> it's uh, always an option. Yes. Or the as an alternative, throwing this one out, you could just get gratuitous amounts of exercise through gratuitous amounts of Eric. Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that all? Is that all you have? Okay, I'm going to go for Pam. Okay. And her saying. <laughs> as Pam might say, fuck a zombie. I love Pam saying fuck a zombie. I love it. Fuck a zombie. <sighs> all right. I've got a couple. <laughs> this one is uh, the the goons hired by Sandra Pelt coming into Merlot's. <laughs> Subcontractors. Heidi ho jerk-offs! <laughs> That's how I'm going to enter a room from now on. Heidi ho jerk-offs! <laughs> see, what else? What else? It wasn't often 
you ran into a bondage slash Elvis slash whorehouse themed vampire club, which my shirt matches perfectly. Yay! As she stands up and shows off her vampire hookers shirt again. (laughs) We might be on the same page, but I wasn't happy about reading it. And I think, finally, the Pelts had had a personal vendetta against me for no very good reason for a very long time, and now it was over. To which, after I read that line, said, excuse me, you killed their daughter. It's okay for them to be mad at you. Uh, I think she's got every right to be actually quite pissed off. Right? I mean, she's taken it too far. She's killed her own parents. Right. As well. Yes. You've gone too yes. far. Yes. But she's got a but right s- to be annoyed with you. Yeah. Yeah. You the the entire Pelt family has every right to be angry with you. Do you think Sookie goes and finds Sandra's uh, Debbie's decomposing body in the forest and that starts feeding that through to the portal as well and like, ah, sisters reunited. Ah, hooray. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I've got one more quote, which I keep reading all of these quotes. I've got so many this time, but I've got one more that is for superfan Annie, and I feel like we would be remiss if we did not say it out loud. So, for Annie, Oklahoma is very beautiful, and Eric loves beauty, but he already has that in you. I don't care about the second half of that, the Sookie is beautiful line, but Oklahoma is very beautiful. And we all know that Superfan Annie is actually the queen of Oklahoma. So. She is the actual queen of Oklahoma. She's getting Eric. Yeah. At the end of all, Annie is getting Eric. Yeah. I think that's all I have now. Love it. Yeah. If you'd like to just try this. Okay. Got anything? I am going to recommend a book that isn't even published and won't be coming out till next year. Nice. But I already have the pre-order because it's fucking gorgeous. The Sprayed Edges of Skulls. I've seen it. It's beautiful. And it's called Masters of Death by Olivia Blake. And the summary is from Waterstones. This book is about an estate agent. Only she's a vampire. The house on sale is haunted and its ghost was murdered. When Viola Marek hires Fox de Mora to deal with her ghost-infested mansion, she expects a competent medium. But unbeknownst to Viola, Fox is a fraud, despite being the godson of death. As the mystery unfolds, Viola and Fox are drawn into a quest that neither wants nor expects, and they'll need the help of a demonic personal trainer, a sharp-voiced angel, and a love-stricken reaper. And it transpires that the difference between a mysterious lost love and a dead body isn't nearly as distinct as you'd hope. <laughs> I just think it sounds absolutely amazing. It I've already pre-order through. It looks yeah. great. It sounds amazing. What have you got? I went down a different route. I chose a book featuring Elvis <laughs> as a character. <laughs> Since Bubba was my favorite character in this book this time. So I selected Odd Thomas by <sighs> Dean Koontz. Oh, Colin's read the series. He loves it. Odd Thomas might 
only be a fry cook in a small town, but he also has the ability to see and talk to the spirits of the dead. Few people know about this gift, but Odd uses it to help the local police chief with solving crimes at times, which also, you know, sounds quite a bit like Suki, if we're being honest. One of the spirits who Odd sometimes encounters is none other than Elvis. In the books, Elvis is still sad about his dearly departed mother, Gladys, but eventually moves on and is replaced by another celebrity ghost to keep Odd company. So, hit me with the spotlight. Not in the literal sense. I'm not, I'm not going to hit you with anything. But my, my, in- head gently. my indie spotlight this time is a tenuous link with my background in <laughs> Yes! Yes! This is the greatest thing ever. It's called Endgame by Rod R. Garcia. Packard Campbell has made a life out of gaming. He's logged thousands of hours in neural reality simulators, playing the most in-depth, mind-bending games available. When an accident forces an unconventional fusion between the NR and some cutting-edge experimental tech, Packard's understanding of reality changes forever. Now, Packard and the people he cares about most will have to take a stand against an enemy intent upon redefining the very nature of existence. To win, they must find a way to stop an entity that operates on the fringe of the rules of science and nature. Packard's in-game experience might just be what they need to tip the scales in their favor. (laughs) So it's video game themed. (laughs) <laughs> tenuous link hashtag tenuous link love a tenuous link right yeah me we too. don't do tenuous enough it's I usually know. quite it's, it's usually it's, quite well linked it's usually quite on the nose <laughs> <laughs> oh it's fine okay that's it for this episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire Join us next time as we discuss Big Bad Me by Ashlyn O'Loughlin. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhango.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon because good things are coming soon with Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.